Welcome to the Pad the Stats podcast, your destination for everything fantasy football and where fantasy title hopes come true. And now your host, James Swanson. Okay, time to get into our wide receiver rankings. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, James Swanson. This is Pad the Stats fantasy football podcast, and I have been off for about two weeks. I apologize we didn't get a podcast out last week. Our quarterback rankings are done. Our running back rankings are done. Our tight end rankings are done. Pat Cotter's here to wrap this thing up with me and talk about our wide receiver rankings, part one of two, one through 12 tonight, 12 through or 13 through 24 on our next podcast. So Pat, what do you say, man? We, uh, we're talking one through 12 tonight. Are we going to have some surprises for the people? Are we going to be pretty similar? We'll find out in a minute. Um, I have a feeling that our top seven or eight are going to be fairly similar, but what do you say on the matter? Yeah, I think it's pretty, you know, going through those top guys, I think it's there's a little bit of leeway you could go with, but I think it kind of falls in pretty similar. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think there's too much argument. Maybe you can argue the guy there, here, there, but... I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if we were. Yeah, we're gonna get a lot of guys that are pretty similar. I don't think a lot of these players are gonna be surprises, but we're gonna give you a little bit of advice on additions to the offense, new coordinators. What does some of this mean? Uh, you know, for example, um, you know, Dirk Cutter being back in Atlanta. Uh, you know, Matt Ryan had some extremely good years. That offense. What does that do for Julio Jones? We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about uh, Aaron Rodgers only throwing 25 touchdowns last year. Devontae Adams catching what, Pat, 14 of those yeah. or 12, 13 of those. You know, what is he? what happens if he throws 40 or 42 touchdowns? We would expect that number to go up for Aaron Rodgers. So there are a lot of things to think about here. Antonio Brown being in Oakland is something that we just talked a lot about off of uh, before we recorded this. So there's a lot to get into. I think there are some interesting things. Uh, there could be some shuffling among those guys. Now, when we get to players – you know, receivers 8 through 12, I think there's a little bit more of a discussion there. But this will be good stuff. Now, before we do talk about our receivers, though, Pat, I don't think it would be right to start before we talk about Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott with some contract situations. Now, quickly, Ezekiel Elliott, I don't think that there's much of a concern this year from what I've heard. Uh, he's still under contract for, I think, two more yeah, seasons, and so I, I don't think there's a concern this year. I saw recently, too, that he needed to report by early August in order to actually have uh, the season count as an accrued season. So, and I thought, okay. that, was in, I thought that was early, so I, kind of, I got to look into this more and make sure that's, that's correct. But, mm-hmm. you know, that was one of the reports I saw is that he needed to report early August for it to even count as a year. And if he sat out past that, like, he would basically, you know, it, he wouldn't have that fifth year option next year. So he would basically need to be under the, mm. under that fourth year again. So okay. he'd have a while. So he basically can't. From what I was gathering, he he basically can't sit out this year and make it really effective. Yeah, it's not a Le'Veon Bell situation. Yeah. Is the point or there. Melvin Gordon situation where well, he can sit out and he'll be a free agent next year unless they tag him. Okay, so that makes that that helps. Okay, so that's helpful. Um, now, so I think we can probably put that to rest for now. At least the Zeke stuff. Uh, Melvin Gordon is a, a different situation, like we mentioned. Is there some real concern that Melvin Gordon's going to sit out this season? Like, what, what's I'm your not gut downgrading feeling? him very much yet. I still think this could easily get worked out. Now, the Chargers are a very fickle organization. 
They have had problems with this. You remember Joey Bosa sat out almost, it seemed like he was not even going to make the start of the year. Right. And they finally signed him right towards the end. Was that before his rookie season? It was, was his, rookie his rookie year. Deal. It was his rookie, it was his rookie year, deal. yeah. yeah. Um, they've been the organization known to kind of be kind of shady and crappy with contracts. Yeah. And they don't have a very easy time coming up. I was looking at, I was very interested in this and looking at, into his contract situation because I was thinking about trying to trade for him in Dynasty. And they have to pay Philip Rivers next year, and they're and they only have, they have like thirty million cap, like at the start of next year. Okay, and they got to pay Philip Rivers, Melvin Ingram, and Joey Bosa coming up in the next couple of years. Okay, so the and Ke- I think my gut Keenan my Allen's gut like, tells me they're probably going to lose one of those DNs. Possibly, I would think. But, but do you want to? Do you want to? Are you going to pay a running back? Pay what Melvin he wants? Gordon what he wants? Yeah. Now, if you know if they can get a friendly deal and get him like, I, but I think that Melvin Gordon wants around. I don't know if he wants to break the market, but I think he want, around, wants around what David Johnson, Le'Veon yeah. got. Yeah, I mean Le'Veon has certainly changed the landscape here with what he's done. His actions have have given guys a little bit more leverage, I mm-hmm. think, um, or at least you know made them a little more bold yeah. in, in how I, they want to approach things. I almost feel like if I was going to rank those players, I would. Put Melvin Gordon a, t- a titch down, like put him more yeah. like a ten mil. I'd say ten mil would be a fair contract for Melvin Gordon. 10, yeah. 11. Now, I don't think he gets the thirteen, the twelve that the that Le'Veon got. That Le'Veon got. Yeah, yeah. Um, was that all Le'Veon got? Thirteen, thirteen. Yeah, thirteen. He wanted fifteen, yeah, right, he wanted or sixteen? He didn't get it. He didn't get it. That's right. That's right. Okay. Well. It's just going to be hard for them to pay Let, him let's talk, and, and continue along with what they've got. Okay, let's talk it, fantasy implications then. When you're looking at your redraft, where are you comfortable taking Melvin Gordon now? Because I think that's the biggest question. I bumped question. him down below Le'Veon and David Johnson. So are you, are you still comfortable taking him in the first round? Right at the end, if, probably not. I'd say more like early second. So let's talk prior to the news and post news. How does he fall within the top group of receivers Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins. I'd were, rather have those guys. Beforehand, how did you feel? I'd rather have Melvin. Okay, so you were going to take Melvin. You were comfortable taking Melvin in the top six. I was prior. ready. Yeah, I was going to take him five, six. Okay, now you're thinking more now, like 11, 12. 11, 12, 13, 14. Okay. How at do the, you At fe- that turn. At the turn. He's right, still right there. And he... And yeah. I, I don't want to overreact. I really don't because he you you get him down there at the turn, and then you get another stud guy to go along yeah. with him. You could like you get imagine getting Melvin and Gurley, and then both. Just, I was just thinking that Melvin and Gurley. Have we ever seen a year where you feel like you could win a league with picking it like eleven, like this year? This al- feels different to me. I always feel that way. I love picking, but like guys who who have some maybe a little bit of controversy around them now who could who you know are top four yeah. talents. Like at the position, that yeah, it yeah, feels no, a little different. But, I mean, is is that too much risk to take? Imagine, it is. I mean, Gurley. You take Melvin and Gurley, and then Melvin sits out and Gurley gets injured early. Like, I mean, your season's your, your lost. season's done. Yeah, You're basically your guaranteeing lost. it, but you could easily hit to the top, the number one and the number two back. Uh, absolutely, easily. So, okay, uh, Melvin Gordon. So the 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 deal here is, you know, we're not bumping him down too far right now. I'm with Pat. I'm still comfortable taking him in at the back end of the first round, uh, but it does change things for me a little bit in terms of the receivers. We drafted him ninth overall in our combo draft. And this was right before the news this came out. This was right Probably before like the news days. came out, so a little bit um, 
unfortunate because we feel really good about our team otherwise. Oh, it's so great. Um, it looks really, really good on paper. We've uh, we've discussed this, so we've done this before in our combo drafts yeah. and not had some, <laughs> and had, had some bad success. luck just on you know good teams on paper, but it it, it you know it hasn't worked out at times. Even last um, year when we both were very good. Like, like individually, individually but then we put a combo we team together our combo and it's team. our combo team's not good. So I don't know what's going on there, but um, don't let that deter you from us giving you fantasy advice because we both have some really good teams. Maybe just listen to one of us. Though. Maybe just listen to one of us. Yeah, yeah. If we we're consensus like yeah. a number eight receiver. <laughs> like don't take him there. Yeah, take uh, <laughs> right. So okay. Before we talk about the wide receivers, this is a little side topic that I wanted to talk about for just two minutes, Pat. Kyler Murray is currently your number three quarterback. Why? In my, on my stat sheet. Okay, why? Let's I'm talk about it. I'm not completely done statting it out, and I almost feel like I have to move him down a little bit, but at his ceiling, he easily has top four, top five upside. Like this guy, I mean, he's going to run the ball a lot, I think. I have him currently stat out at 95 rushes, and I honestly... How does yeah, that stack up with guys like Deshaun Watson? I've got Deshaun Watson around 100. I got okay, so they're pretty similar. Yep, and I got, but I have got Lamar Jackson at 136, and this is over. That can, this right. is right now. This is assuming a, a full 16 game season. Right. Um, so you're, be, but you're, you know, okay. like I think he's going to run the ball a lot. I think he's going to have to just because I don't think his offensive line is that great. Um, but if he's, and I also think he's going to throw the ball a lot. I think it's going to be what they want to do in a high up tempo offense. I think they're going to try to keep and keep running the ball have a lot of plays. Yeah. So I think he's going to throw the ball a lot. And I've only got him around 30 touchdowns thrown, and I can even see him being a little lower. But I just think with the amount of times he's going to be throwing the ball, with the amount of times he's going to be running the ball, he has a lot of upside. And getting him, like, I almost might just target him in a lot of drafts because you get him as your 10th, 11th quarterback off the board, if you can get him around there, yep. you have a ton of upside. And if he ends up sucking, you're going to know early. And you can get rid of him and pick up whoever ends up being the next Mahomes. Yeah. If he isn't already. And it's a guy, it, it, you know, it feels like right now, the, the few drafts that we've looked at, it's not a guy that you have to reach for in the single digits rounds, right? I mean, you get him in the no. double digit yeah. rounds, I think, right? I could see the hype train getting bad. Where would he be capped off at? Eighth round? Seventh round? Yeah, I mean, if he... Is he going to go any higher than that? I'm still taking a lot of guys over him. I'm still taking Breeze. I'm still taking Wentz. I'm still taking... I'm still taking Russell. You know, Baker. I'm taking all those guys over him. And if he's starting to creep up into that ADP, which I could easily see happening, he's not for me. But we'll see where he ends up. I just have a hard time seeing it the way that, that we... And we talked about this philosophy of taking quarterbacks later and later has creeped into more people's minds and more leagues. It's gotten into our league. Yeah. Uh, now, we are in that combo league, like I mentioned. It's a two-flex league, so quarterbacks, the the priorities push back a little bit. But Aaron Rodgers was going in the seventh round. Um, if Aaron Rodgers is going in the sixth, seventh round, I have a hard time seeing Kyler Murray going any higher than, like, maybe the eighth or the ninth yeah. round, personally. I mean, but, but I mean, we used to be in a league where two, three quarterbacks, in a one-quarterback league, we used to be in a league that, our home league, where two, three quarterbacks would go in the first round. But anymore... Well, that was, yeah, it was six that was years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. But Before again, this the, I'm trying to say over. the progression of our league. Now we're at the point where quarterback... I took the first quarterback last year in the end of the third round, and I, I, before that I had never taken a quarterback earlier than the yeah. seventh. So, yeah. I mean, 
it just shows you how much the league has changed. Where I went from the guy who took him last every time to the first taking yeah, just well, because you, the value is there. Exactly. But you feel like if you get one of those top guys who's going to score significantly more yeah. than anybody else, you know, your Mahomes, your Lux, your Rodgers, then, yeah. then I mean, it's I, worth it, I think. I took Rodgers last year. I'm like, well, I'm guaranteeing myself a top four quarterback. Now, he didn't what didn't do nearly what you wanted to last year. Right. But he's these guys are safe. Yeah. And they become at one point become a value but that's only special leagues. Right. Okay, so I just thought that was interesting on Murray. I wanted to talk about it for a second. I certainly see where you're coming from with the upside there. Uh my one concern with Kyler Murray is Cliff Kingsbury comes in. He was not that good of a coach at Texas Tech if we're being frank about it. Mm-hmm. Uh I know that there's this high flute offense, uh you know, the the whatever you call it, the air raid, the five wide, they're going to chuck it around the yard a lot. Uh, Kyler Murray looks like a, a really good talent at the position. But if you are if you want to come into the season and try to compare Kyler Murray to Patrick Mahomes, for example, think about it a little bit. Because Patrick Mahomes was a second-year quarterback who sat behind Alex Smith, who, in my opinion, might be one of the best guys you could sit behind for a year. Uh, yeah. Everything I've heard about Alex Smith, very intelligent guy, very... Um, you know, articulate guy who is is extremely cerebral, very smart in terms yeah. of football sense. Plus, you have Andy Reid, who you're you're coming into. Yeah, guru. I think I think the the situation was so perfect for Patrick Mahomes, and he was even more talented than I think we thought he was. No doubt about that. Um, but Kyler Murray, I I agree. I think he's going to be very talented too, and I think he's going to be a good quarterback. But you're talking about a not a very good offensive line, of overall of very bad football team who was drafting first overall. Patrick Mahomes went, I think, in what eleven, twelve, yeah, somewhere I mean, there. But but the Chiefs had a good football team. Your range of outcomes with Kyler Murray is top three quarterback or top bottom thirty, you know, bottom below, like just bottom twenty. Like he's easily got the the highest range of outcome of anybody in that area. Right. Like I, if you draft if you draft uh, you know Cam. Unless he gets injured. But, like, how about Kirk? You know that Kirk Cousins is going to finish probably top 15 quarterback. Yes. You're, but you, he doesn't have the upside quite as much to get up in that top group. So right. It's a different strategy. You know, it depends yep. on what you want to do. But for me, I'd rather take the guy who has the upside to get up there and then just drop him and stream if I don't get him. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, and yeah. Again, I, I just think that some people will look at, that at, oh, wow, like Patrick Mahomes did this. Like, man, Kyler Murray could do the same thing. Ah, uh, pump the brakes a little bit. Again, I don't think that that's going to be the sit. You're talking about two completely different situations: Kansas City versus Arizona, yep. like a hundred percent, like one eighty situations. Yep. It's going to be, it's going to be, uh, you know, a big. It's going to be a big variance, and he has a very high bus potential. He really yeah. does. All right, let's get into this thing. We are going to do our top twelve consensus wide receiver rankings tonight. Uh, we are recording this podcast again, July seventeenth. Um, it's actually early morning hours at this point. Um, so you'll probably be hearing this on Wednesday, July 18th, but we are going to go one through 12, our consensus rankings. Uh, and again, we will release another podcast with our 13 through 24 wide receiver rankings, uh, some point later, uh, either this week, uh, hopefully the week. end of this week, uh, we'll get that out to you as well. So let's do this thing, Pat. And at number one, let me get onto my consensus sheet because I am on my rankings right now. But I think do we have you got the same. DeAndre Hopkins we have the one. same guy here. We both have DeAndre Hopkins. Um, 
look, for me, looking at the numbers, I mean, this is a guy who's only missed one game in his entire career. The one thing that concerned me, I just saw the report about, it came out in June, but he had some torn ligaments in his shoulder, but he says he's going to be good to go for camp. So right now, I don't see any concern with that, you know, that being a problem for DeAndre Hopkins, his availability to begin the season. He's, you know, he's still 27 years old. He's averaged 106 receptions on 169 targets the last two seasons. That's a 60, 63% catch rate over that time with 24 total touchdowns over those two years. So he's been really, really good since Deshaun Watson's been the starting quarterback ever since he got Brock Osweiler in 2016 uh, when he had like 900 yards and four yeah, touchdowns. That was bad. Um, you know, he's just been dynamic. And, and, if you even look back at the bad seasons, like I don't think there's ever been a questions about question about how good DeAndre Hopkins is as a talent. It's just come to the forefront now yeah. because Deshaun Watson's taken him there. Yeah, he's amazing. He and he's and uh, he battles through everything. He's he had like four or five injuries last year and played through every single one of them. Was still dominant in every game. I mean, I loved owning him. Like I had him and I have him in Dynasty. Uh, he's you know he's dominant. He just you know he's getting your points all the time, and you just don't need to feel. Like, you know he's going to get there for you. Like, you don't ever have to worry about him. He's not he's not up and down. He pretty much stays pretty consistent. You're going to have a great wide receiver one on your hands, guaranteed, unless he gets injured. Yeah. And which he doesn't. So you pretty much, you take him and you're guaranteed a good player. Yeah, he's tough. He's going to play through things. Um, you know, he showed that last year, as you mentioned, Pat. Um, the targets have been there. The usage has been there. Deshaun Watson is a guy who you know, had the knee injury, um, his rookie season, but you know, as long as you're not getting it, even if, even if something were to happen to Sean Watson, as long as you're not getting a caliber of quarterback at Brock Osweiler, yep. <laughs> then I, I think you're still going to be okay. Not even, I, I don't even really want to go there because, you know, hopefully these two guys have a, another really, really great season for 16 games. Um, where, you know, I don't think this comes as a surprise to anybody, but Pat, where are you comfortable taking Deshaun Watson? Are there, are you, you taking, DeAndre Hopkins. or DeAndre Hopkins, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, do you want to take him above David Johnson? Or are you going to take him above Le'Veon Bell? Um, it's so hard to. Yeah. I don't, th- if you're want to do that, I, I would not argue with you. It's just, they're so hard to get running backs. And that's going to be one of the big questions for me is whether I want to, start my my draft out with a wide receiver and just say, you know, whatever for running backs. But you're going to come back and you're not going to be happy with who's there at running back. So you better be just kind of ready to to kind of just stream the position and, and be not really great with it. Yeah. So it's hard. But whenever, like, if, but if I, if I'm back at like eight or nine and, or seven and DeAndre Hopkins is there, I'm, I'm pumped. Yeah, like, me I'm too. Great. I'm me so too. happy about it. I'd almost rather be there than have to take those guys so I could get a decent running back coming back, like a yeah. Dalvin Cook. I think six, now that with the Melvin Gordon like news, I feel like six is the hardest place to be in. Yeah. Because if you want to go... Now, if if you're somebody who's who thinks that Le'Veon Bell is going to be great in New York, yeah. like, and you want to pull the trigger on him at six, go for it, or you want to take Hopkins at six, I think those would be the two guys that I would consider I there. think I would take Hopkins at six. Yeah. And then Le'Veon somewhere Le'Veon in that seven to probably, nine range, probably. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, you... be an interesting group. Well, let's talk about our number two guy on the list. Let's talk yeah. about Devontae Adams, a guy who's been an absolute touchdown monster. 35 touchdowns over the last three years for Devontae Adams. He's played in 45, 48 games in that time frame. 
Look, he's only going to be 26 this season. We talked about Aaron Rodgers only throwing 25 touchdowns in 2018. We think that number is going to go up. We don't see a scenario where Devontae Adams isn't the touchdown monster or the guy that, that Rodgers looks for in the red zone. Uh, you know, Randall Cobb's in Dallas now. Now, I know Randall Cobb has not had a few a good years in, yeah. in Green Bay in a while, but he used to be that guy who caught touchdowns. So that's one, one more player out of the equation. I don't think it matters. You know, even if Valdez Scantling steps up, even if Geronimo Allison plays a full full slate of games, there's so much more um, t- touchdown upside for Aaron Rodgers. Yes, like yeah, agreed. I don't, I don't see, I don't, Adams don't is, see a world where he doesn't score 14 touchdowns. Yeah, because it, Aaron Rodgers, he he caught like over a, like two, like a third of or even a half of it, the touchdowns Aaron threw. Rodgers yeah, threw I, I'd almost put the bank on it's 12. Yeah, easy 12, like minimum 12 yeah. is what I'm saying. If 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 you just said, hey, who's going to score the most touchdowns in the league next year receiving? It's I'm just going. It's Devontae Adams. It's Devontae Adams. money down on that. I agree. I agree. I, And that's why when I looked at this and I thought, and spoiler alert, but we have Julio at three. Um, I think you have Julio at three, yeah, too. we do. Um, when I looked at this, I wanted to put Julio ahead of Devontae Adams for a little bit just because it's like, man, Julio, Devontae Adams, like – talent wise like I, I you know you mean you want to lean julio but if if do, you're telling me Devonte adams is going to score six more touchdowns than julio jones which uh hello like every year has said that he's going to do that yeah. like that is a fact for the last three years like he is going to score six more touchdowns than julio jones you're talking about almost 50 fantasy points so yeah. if it comes down to you you know for you are you thinking Julio? Are you thinking Devonte Adams? Like, what do you want to take? Like, I don't see how you can get away from the fact that the touchdowns matter. Yeah, like that they just show I mean, up. Could could Devonte Adams score 16, 17 touchdowns this year? It sounds un- un- like crazy. Like you're an idiot, yeah. but shit, like that could happen. That <laughs> yeah. could happen. Like yeah. if Aaron Rodgers goes back to his normal thing and, and throws forty touchdowns, like he's gonna Devonte Adams. Like, how does he not get more? I I agree. It's hard to visualize him not. So, yeah, I mean, like that's offense stalled I, so much last year that it was insane. And and, yeah. and Adams still caught that many touchdowns. Uh, he's just got such a high touchdown ceiling. You can't argue with taking him number two. Yeah, uh, different philosophy in Green Bay this year, at least in, in terms of the coaching. You know that they bring in a new coaching staff, which has not happened yet in the Aaron Rodgers era. So yeah. I don't know how that changes things, but you got to believe. I mean, you're talking about one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time at, at 36 I mean, years old. When is the ball going to come out of his hands? No, no. And is, 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 <laughs> like it doesn't does matter this, who's co- who's calling the play. Does this basically go from McCarthy being the biggest guy in the room to Aaron Rodgers being like, "Hey, I'm throwing my weight around. I'm calling plays." He's been anyway. Yeah, well, and then, it's already and, been come out. If that anything, he's, if anything, that that just solidifies his role as the play caller. Like, yeah, you're not going to get a new coach come in and going, "Hey, Aaron, it's my turn." Yeah, no. Yeah, Devontae Adams, 11.3 targets per game in 2018, led league. Um, he, he played in just 15 games. He would have been the first receiver since I think it was 2015 or 14. Uh, if he would have played in full 16 games, it would have had 175 targets in a season. So Jeez. it's it's been a little bit. Um, it's been a few years since somebody's been able to do that. He was on pace for it. Um, you know, 169 targets. The one thing, uh, again, I I think that what we saw last year might 
be more of the norm again this year for Devontae Adams. But if you do look back at the previous seasons, 2017, he played in 14 games, 117 targets. 2016, 121 targets in 16 games. So we haven't seen Devontae Adams do what he did last year or even come close in terms of targets. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if if, I think if that's going to come down, come down a substantial amount. But I, I still think it's going to be higher than it, any of his previous you know, his first four years. Yeah. Like it, it might come down from that 169, but it's still going to be higher than what we saw in his first four seasons. Um, so Devontae Adams at number two for us. Hopkins, Adams, and then Julio Jones, as we mentioned. Look, how do you get away from Julio at this point, Pat? Uh, the last four years, four or five years, we're talking about a guy who yardage-wise has just been through the roof. Um, you know, 1,400 yards has become just the norm for Julio Jones. Uh, I don't see that changing unless at 30 years old, the foot injuries start to catch up with him, which he is already dealing with, uh, from what I understand, a little bit of a foot thing. Um, but he's but, been solid. But he's been he's played through that. He's kind of like Hopkins, right? Yeah. He's played through those injuries. And that and it's crazy to me, like when I saw that stat that he's played, like he, what, he's missed three games in the last five years? Like for what you used to think of Julio, it was just that guy that like, you, can he just get a full season in? Like, right off the bat, whenever he came out, it's like, well, man, he's amazing when he's on the field, but is, when's he on the field? He's never on the field. He gets hurt all the time. And now he's just been Iron Man. So, can you, do you want to, like, he still gets that stigma of, like, oh, the foot injury. He's just, he's always injured. And, yes, he's had those injuries, but he's played through them, and he's been, a, been amazing. Yeah. Uh, I'm pulling it up right now. He has missed three games in the last five seasons. Um. 2014 through 2018, 15, 16, 14, 16, 16. Yeah. So yeah, I mean he's been he's been you're right he's been an Iron Man since really 2013. Um, you can't bet against that. No, you can't. Right. I mean that's yeah. a trend that I don't know if you're going to really want to bet against even with the foot stuff popping up. The one thing that you can bet on is Julio Jones is not going to catch double digit touchdowns. Yeah, you pretty much can bet on that. If he ever did, like like we had talked about earlier, like if he could just catch 10 touchdowns, 11 touchdowns a year, he would have his own tier. It would be dumb. It would just be stupid. Like he would be like, all right, we got the Julio tier, and then we've got everybody else. Yeah, we talked about this too, is the fact, like I draw comparisons to Kirk Cousins, and we talked about the, the, the Vikings receivers and their touchdown cap, Diggs specifically. From the football that I've watched, I see Kirk Cousins and Matt Ryan being guys that just don't get it done in the red zone yeah. a whole lot. Um, I think Matt Ryan's career total or career high is 35. Um, Kirk Cousins' career high is 30. Like Those yeah. are just two guys that, that for whatever reason, uh, they just don't get it done in the end zone. And Julio's been, unfortunately, you know, kind of the negative beneficiary of that really. So, you know, 10 touchdowns in 2012 was his career high. Uh, that feels like ages and ages and ages ago. Now that was, I believe that was one of the years that they did play with um, uh, under Dirk Cutter. So I don't know if that means really anything, but um, those were some very good years for the Falcons passing game. We'll see if they can get kind of back to that. Those 20, I think it was 2012 to 2014 when they, when they were with Dirk Cutter Um all good seasons. One of those years was when Julio uh, had that injury, only played five games. Um, but, but I mean, look, Julio's been so dominant. The one crazy thing, 203 targets, 
2015, Pat, 203 targets, eight touchdowns, eight touchdowns, eight touchdowns on 203 targets. That's pretty terrible, but he had almost 1,900 yards receiving. Um, Yeah, it's, I mean, I just don't see how you can get away from Julio as a top three receiver. And like you mentioned, if he scores touchdowns, he's like Gronk tier, which would be sweet if it actually happened. (laughs) I don't think it's going to happen. Okay, let's talk about our number four on our list here. Um, I believe that we, yes, we have Michael Thomas at number four. Pat, do you want to dive into Michael Thomas a little bit? Tell, kind of give your, I feel like I've been doing a lot of talking here. So tell me, tell us why Michael Thomas is, um, you know, set for another top five season this year. Yeah, I think Michael Thomas is, going to be a stud like I think he's up there with these guys I don't I couldn't see myself ever putting him above Julio or Adams or um, Hopkins well I could see myself jostling those guys around a little bit um I just I I I I think he's got a little bit of a capped upside I think he's gonna be very efficient with his receptions what he caught some like he's been in the 70 percent high 70s in terms of reception of reception percentage yep like in Bree, it's just you have breeze who's just a magician he just throws everything in there and right you have a great receiver in thomas he's gonna have a lot of catches and he's gonna be very efficient with everything he does right but he's more of that keenan allen style where he's just he's not the yard, yard after catch guy he can be but he's just he's catching a lot of shorter passes not going deep down the field and kind of just kind of staying in that in the breezes window to just kind of pick targets and Possibly going to have to catch a little bit, but not much. So I think that caps his touchdown upside a little bit. Um, but I still think he's going to be a stud that's going to get you a lot of great weeks. Yeah. Uh, is another con- one of the concerns the, the just how often they throw the football? And I was just about to say that, yeah, that I just don't think they're going to throw the ball that often. Now they could. They Bree showed it last year, early in the year, that he could do it. He started off hot, and Michael Thomas and was amazing. Was, while he was Yeah, good, exactly. While he was doing it, but... It's just then after later in the year, they just decide they're not going to throw the ball that much. And that's a hundred percent in the, in the cards. So I feel a lot safer with the other guys. I'm still happy if I'm getting Michael Thomas. Yeah. So through his first, I'm doing the math here right now through, through Michael Thomas's first three seasons, he's, he, he's yet to have 150 targets in a season, which again, 147, 149 were his last two. Um, right now, he is he's he's averaged 139 targets through his first three years 121 149 147 so yes he's he he gets targets like a number one receiver but he's not quite in that category of 160 170 like the Julio Jones and the Devontae Adams and the and the, the DeAndre Hopkins of the world so yes Pat I would agree with you that he I I can't put him in that category quite yet just based on the He's volume. a mini step down for me. Yes, very close. Yeah. Uh, very close. Um, I would love to see him get double-digit touchdowns. He's at 9, 5, and 9 his first three years, which, you know, nine's a good number. Yeah, uh, right at 9. Yeah, I, I think that's probably where he's probably going to be about. Um, and even, and honestly, I, I still think that even if he doesn't get nearly as many targets as as uh, Hopkins, Julio, or Adams does, he's still going to, he can still catch more passes. Yeah. He's very efficient with his, with his receptions. Yeah. I mean, 125 catches last year yeah. on, on 147 yeah, targets. Exactly. That's incredible. Exactly. So, and, and that seems to be kind of a trend. Um, 
Last year was a little bit higher. 2017, he was 104 catches on 149 targets, so a little bit lower. But yeah, I mean, yeah. you're getting a guy who's, you're right, is going to catch probably 70% of his balls, uh, you know, based on Drew Brees's, like you said, just being a magician with the football. And again, this is another player who, and we talk about receivers being durable for the most part because they're just not taking the pounding that running backs do. But I think when you talk about durability, uh, Michael Thomas, through his first three seasons, has only missed one game. So he's another guy who I think w- when you're contemplating some players, um, you know, for example, you know, Odell Beckham has missed a bunch of games. Now, he had a freak kind of a broken ankle, I think. Was that what it was? It a broken ankle or something a couple years ago mm-hmm. uh, for, for OBJ. Um, that's kind of a freak thing, I think. But, you know. A.J. Green's a guy who hasn't been durable. I think Michael Thomas is a player, at least to this point in his career, you can count on him. I'm, I'm comfortable taking him in my top four receivers because I, I think I'm going to get – Yeah, I'm pretty confident I'm going to get 15-plus games out yeah, of him. Yeah, I. that's why you know he's a step ahead above the rest of the guys. Exactly, exactly and, my point. Okay, so we have DeAndre Hopkins, number one, Devontae Adams, two, Julio Jones, three, and Michael Thomas, four, Pat. That is some earth-shattering – yeah, stuff uh, yeah. right there, man. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty crazy. crazy. <laughs> no, no, no big surprises through our first four. Um, I don't think anybody out there is really too surprised yet. Now, Pat, let me ask you this: When we're talking draft strategy, are you comfortable taking? I, I know you're confident taking, or at least comfortable taking Hopkins and Adams in the first round. Are you comfortable taking Julio and Michael Thomas in the first round yes. of a twelve-team draft? Yes, ready the turn. Right the turn. That. I mean, I mean, Michael Thomas might fall out a little bit, but again, if I was really wanting to target wide receiver, and I have to look at my my, my top, is because I mean, I'm taking a lot of the running backs over Michael Thomas. I think. I mean, I think I'm going to take Le'Veon. I think I'm going to take you know Todd Gurley. Todd Are you ta- taking Todd, Todd Gurley, Gurley over both right those there, guys? And I'm probably if I'm going to be making that decision, I'm probably pe- I'd probably be picking twelve, and I'd be taking them both anyway. So. Are you taking Julio over Todd Gurley? Yes. Okay, are you taking? Okay, well, this gets into our running back rankings a little bit. Are you taking Joe Mixon over Gurley? No, no, you're not. So you're not taking him over. You're probably no, not taking Mixon Michael over Thomas, Thomas over then, Mixon right? Too. Okay, all right, got it. That gives me a little bit better idea of uh, for our listeners. You know wh- where you should probably be thinking about these guys. I'm sure a lot of you out there are probably looking at ADP and doing mock drafts anyway. But I think. It gets tricky in this range. Yeah, I, I think yeah. there's, you know, when you talk about these top four receivers and where they fall with the running backs, I think it's it comes it's, down to preference. It does. It really does. Um, and you need to look at your draft board and your, you know, going into it, and because th- this is where strategy in the first three four rounds really comes into play. Yeah. Like you need to think about okay, if I take a receiver here or if I go receiver receiver, mm-hmm. you know, what's going to come back to me? What's going to be coming back to me exactly? So now, that's something to think about. I feel like we've been getting Aaron Jones back to us a lot in the third round, which I'm almost okay. Like I'm okay with that as my as him as my wide receiver or running back one. If right, I, have I agree. Two stud wide I, receivers. I agree. I think. I think yes. I think you should be. You know. I, I mean, personally, I'm totally fine with that too. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah. I. I'm okay. I'm a little more okay in the back half there going receiver, receiver because of that fact. Yeah. I guess, you know. Um, okay, let's talk about our number five. Um, I think that's where we're at. Mike Odell Beckham yep. at number five. We both have him at five, I we believe. We both have him at five. 
So, look, I guess I haven't statted Odell out yet, but look, this feels like a much better situation with Baker Mayfield. You know, this offense should be better than what he was dealing with in New York, and, and Odell was, you know, extremely good even with Eli Manning and in some of his, uh, you know, years where that offense just wasn't as good. Um, I know last year wasn't a great year, but, you know, what can we expect from Odell, Pat? Is there the potential still for him to be a top? Can he finish in the top three? Yes. Yes. I think I think the big thing about Odell Beckham Jr. is how much does this offense throw the ball? I think he's going to get his. When, he, when they give him an opportunity, he's going to get his. But is this going to be a Nick Chubb offense? Or is this going to be a, ba- a Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr. offense? And I honestly lean a little bit towards Nick Chubb. I think this is going to be an offense that wants to pound the ball and work the, work the passing game in there as they can. I think they're going to want to throw the ball a good amount, and I know that OBJ will have big blow-up games. But I think that they're going to want to ground and pound a little bit more than a lot of people expect and that's just going to cut down on the number of chances that OBJ has. Yeah. I, you know, my gut tells me the same thing, is they're going to want to lean on that run game a little bit. Um, you know, I know last year the, the, the rushing totals weren't that high for Nick Chubb. I had 192 attempts over 16 games. Now, I know Carlos Hyde was there for Yeah, you'd almost have to just look at how many times bit, they but, ran the ball. Yes. Yes, you're right. You're right. Uh, but – I think that Nick Chubb's going to be a guy who, yeah, probably carries the ball more like 250, 260, and yeah. they should probably be, you know, 250, I think. But they, they should – I had him sat it out, so I'll go back and look. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't know what else to say here other than Odell's in a better offense, probably a better situation with a guy who is going to take chances throwing the football. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm comfortable putting him in my top five. You know, again, I, I'm not – ready to take him above Julio or anything, no. but no. And he, and he had, and the problem is, is I don't see me myself getting him any higher because I mean, the, he has the injury risk. I don't think that offense is going to be as good as something like the, I'd much, I'm taking breeze and, and um, I'm taking breeze and Michael Thomas over uh, Baker, Baker and, and yeah, OBJ no, I day. agree there. Yeah. hundred percent. So I just don't see myself moving him up anymore. I could see myself becoming more comfortable with him, but just not moving him up anymore. Maybe over a couple of the running backs, but that would be about it. Yeah, are you taking Mixon over? I Right now, I would. OBJ? Yeah, okay. right now, I would. So you're probably looking at, you know, if you're picking... Like mid mid to late... This is a prime situation where I think you get, like, Devontae Adams and OBJ. Yeah. Like, I think that's a combination you'd be looking at. You could go receiver, receiver, and get those two guys. Exactly. If you're picking, like, 10th. Like nine, ten, something yeah. like that. I think you get that's those two I'm, guys. That's where I would like to get OBJ. Yeah. Now let's talk about our number six receiver, Juju Smith-Schuster. Real quick. Go ahead. Go ahead. Because I was. I is, just want to compare these guys. Is but this go your? Ahead. Is this the last guy that you could think get a be that number one receiver? Um, do you think he has wide receiver one potential? Like enough that you would like be like, okay, he could do that. Like a lot of these guys have wide receiver one potential, but like. Like, reasonable, number one. Yes, I think so. Um, Is he the last guy? Yes. Now, for me, like, DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Julio, like, 
Adams because of the touchdown potential. Hopkins and Julio just based on them. based on the the volume are a cut above no Michael doubt. Thomas and OBJ in terms no of their ceiling to get to that number one. But yes, I would put them in that number one potential race. number one category. That race they have a much lower percentage for me um, than those those first three guys, which makes sense based on the rankings. But yes, I would agree. It goes top three and then two. And then a drop. And then another one. Where we get to Juju Smith-Schuster, who... Now, I could see Smith-Schuster being... I could... I'm tempted to take Smith-Schuster over Odell when it comes down to that. those two. It's, it is it is close for me. I'm not. I'm not. Okay. I, I, there's another mini tier here with me and... Uh, and Juju and OBJ. I'm not saying I, I would, but I think it's fairly close. I could see myself right after taking OBJ if I didn't get OBJ. Like, you know, say, like, the guy above me takes OBJ. I could see myself right next to, after that taking mm-hmm. Juju in my rankings, like top 200 rankings. Yeah. But I I just feel like Odell Beckham Jr. has a lot higher ceiling than Juju, and I'm going to take him there because of that. Yeah. I Everything that I know about the Steelers' offense— a number one receiver dominates, a Hall of Fame quarterback, a top ten offense leads you to believe that who that oh that I can't talk. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be really good. I the, which I, makes me think that he could. Yeah, like all those things, all those factors make me think that he could creep into the top five and beat o, Odell Beckham. I think he can beat Odell Beckham, but I don't think that he's creeping into the top yeah. two, top three. No, probably not. Probably not. I would I would agree there. I would agree. He'd there. have to take another step up. Could he yeah. do it? Maybe. Yeah. But he would need to take another step and really prove himself as that top flight wide receiver, which we just I, we've seen that from him. But there's a big question mark, and Antonio Brown's always been there to take that number one, uh, you know, look on the defense. Yep. Can Juju be that number one? The question's up in the air. Yeah, I think he will be, just because like we think he's. And we know at this point, I think we know that he's a really good wide receiver. Like he's a good talent. He's a he's a guy who is not going to be held down. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's too talented, I think, to do that. But is he as good as the guys above him, or even the guys a couple guys after? Him? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, that yet. And that's that thing. you're right. I get that. I get that. Okay. Well, are you taking Travis Kelsey over any of these guys? What about what about Juju? I have Travis Kelsey statted out right after Juju. Okay. I just that's just not my strategy to take tight ends that early. I agree. I almost looking at the board. I and really early. I was looking at the board, going, "Man, I really do need to take one of these tight ends early because I don't like anybody that's late." Anymore, I look at it. I'm like, I can get guys like guys like uh, you know Mark Andrews, like Jordan Reed, like Tyler Eifert, like Greg Olson. They're not sexy, but man, these guys yeah, have been doing it for a while. Like, I, there's a lot of guys yeah. I like towards the end that I'd be okay with anymore. Yep. I, I hear you. I hear you. It's it's always it just kind of feels better to to keep loading up at it running feels back dirty and receiver. To me to be, and I'm, I can guarantee you, if I take Kelsey, I am not going to be happy with my team at the end of the draft. Probably not. Because honestly, I look at somebody's fantasy team and I overlook tight end. Like I'm not looking at tight end when I'm assessing somebody's fantasy team, and I do the same yep. thing for my team. Yep. Now is that a, is that a little bit of a crime? Yes, but I like trying to find that, that diamond in the rough tight end, and I've done a pretty good job of it yeah. recently, so I'm betting on myself there. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I hear you 100%. I, I, I know exactly where you're coming from with that. Um, I would agree. I wouldn't, I'm would. i not willing to take 
Travis Kelsey over any, you know, over wide receiver number five, wide receiver number six, wide receiver number seven. I, I think that at that point, uh, potentially, yes. Um, let's talk about wide receiver number seven. That's Antonio Brown. Um, this, I think, is kind of the most controversial one. But again, I, I think that after we talked about this, after Antonio Brown, we feel like there's there's a bit of a drop. There is a so that is drop. where Kelsey would come into play. Yeah. But but in terms of, of AB, I don't want to get kind of off on too much of a tangent and talk about you know other positions, but it is good to kind of dive into the draft strategy a little bit. Uh, Pat, I want you to talk a little bit about we talked a lot about this we before did. we, we record this we podcast, and I want you to give a little bit of your statistical background on what the potential is for Antonio Brown with Derek Carr in the Raiders' offense. What can we realistically expect? Like, my argument was Antonio Brown is a is one of the all time greats, maybe the number two great behind Jerry Rice, and I don't want to ever discount a guy or be left feeling like I missed out because I. I think he's in a bad offense, you know, but I discounted a really, really great player. Yeah. Like that would make me feel like a crappy person. Yeah. Like I would feel like, my God, why would I have done that? You know what I mean? Um, but tell our listeners why there could be a cap there. Like yeah. there could just, like that's just the realistic like viewpoint. I mean, to me, this offense, you, I mean, you're going from, you're going, you're taking a downgrade in terms of your quarterback from Big Ben to Derek Carr. Now, Derek Carr has about a 63.5% completion percentage throughout the course of his career. It was pretty bad at the start, so let's just say 65%. AB is right around there, too, with Big Ben. So, you know, I let's just say he catches about 65% of his passes. Pretty standard. I don't see the potential for a huge target load for AB because I don't see the offense throwing the ball that often. I don't think it's going to be a very good offense. I think they made some upgrades like AB, and I think they can be okay. Maybe a low end of the, like a, like a 20, 21, 19 area of an offense. I see his upside of his touchdown upside is capped. Yes. Now he scored right around 10, 11, probably averaging about 11 over the past five, six years. He had 15 last year. I don't yeah. see him doing that near. No, no I would he's agree. Not doing that. No, he's not doing that. I have him statter out right now for eight and a half touchdowns, which I could probably should probably move him up a little bit from there. But I think that's probably I think that's realistic yeah, I, to me. Yeah, because I don't think I think the, that this team doesn't have that much touchdown upside. I think if he if he scores ten, I would be surprised. Like I think that the Raiders are still. I mean, they're out of, at they're, best a six and ten team. Yeah, I don't think they're going to be very good. I think they're going to still try. I think they're going to try to run the ball with Josh Jacobs. Yeah, control the clock and yep. and kind of keep the off the defense off. Well, the field a lot I mean, of too. Derek now, Carr threw nineteen touchdowns last year. Yeah, and they were they were losing a lot. I think they'll it's be not like better. They had a good defense, but no, I think they'll be better. But it's yeah. I mean, every you're right. Every sign points to him not fulfilling what he did in Pittsburgh. No, I just don't see him having the, the upside in terms of the, tar- the number of targets he can get. I see Juju. That's why I'm taking Juju over AB. Because I think Juju has a very high, is going to have 160, 170 targets. While AB, I think, is capped around 150, 140. 
Like, I don't think he can get much higher than that. And if he's still only catching 65% of his passes and has a lower touchdown rate than he's, than he's been used to, I don't think – I just don't think he has that kind of I, – I would – I'm taking the safety in Juju, I think, than over A.B. And even though I think A.B. is a much better wide receiver. And, and I agree. I think I think A.B. is going to go out there. He's going to be pissed. He's going to be – he's – We've already proven that nobody can cover AB. You can put two guys on him. You can put a zone around him. He's going to get open. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but no. I just don't see them opening up that offense and throwing the ball as many times as the Steelers did. Yeah, it's a matter of just Even if being... he gets a 28% target share, which I have him at, I just I don't see him bumping up into that next year. Yeah. And I have Juju and AB right now statted out for about the same. Give me Juju because I don't see as much downside with him as AB. If... Derek Carr does the thing he did with Amari Cooper and just decides he's not going to throw him the ball. A.B. could throw a hissy fit. A.B. is is one mental breakdown away from being suspended, and I don't see Gruden putting up with it. I don't. If, yeah. if he stops, starts skipping practices and decides he's ba- bigger than the team, Gruden, I could easily see he'd start disciplining him and not yeah. putting up it like, with it like Tomlin did. Yeah, there's a lot to think about there. No, you're right. Those are all really good points. Um, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. It, the offense ultimately is the thing that probably will hold Antonio Brown back from being that guy. Give me a little bit of lesser talent on a, on a top 10 offense than a, 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 you know, an all-time great even on a bottom 10. Okay, let's recap the one through seven so far. Let me pull my sheet back up. One, DeAndre Hopkins. Two, Devontae Adams. Three, Julio Jones. Four, Michael Thomas. Five, Odell Beckham. Six, Juju Smith-Schuster. Seven, Antonio Brown. And at number eight, Pat, you might need to help me out because I think Keenan I have... Keenan Allen right now. Do we? I think... Why does it say Why does it say eight? Mike Evans on my sheet at Consensus. Where am I looking at? No, this is not... That, that's, that's... Oh, I'm looking at something different. Like, my bad. That, this is Fantasy Pros Consensus. Oh, all right. Never mind. I'm screwed up. Okay. Um, we have Keenan Allen at number eight. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, we have Keenan Allen, number eight. Okay. All right. So, um, all right. So, I'm sorry. I, I'm all over the place. So, Keenan Allen, number eight. Um, Pat, do you want to talk about – I mean, I don't know what there more you can say about Keenan Allen is just the ultimate the, – the injury history from early in his career, I think, is kind of – you know, behind him at this point. Yeah, I think uh, so. I think, you know, what we've seen is just a really consistent guy who's going to catch a ton of passes. Yeah. And in a PPR league like this, like we're talking about um, primarily, you know, Keenan Allen is is the model of consistency. Uh, you know, Phillip Rivers, now that, you know, Tyrell Williams is no longer in uh, L.A., um, this is, I think, the situation is as good as it ever could be, you know, for Keenan Allen, a guy who's still young, um, is still going to catch a ton of passes. I I don't see any reason why you know Keenan Allen once again can't be a top eight receiver in fantasy, and I think you should be pretty happy about grabbing him. Um, you know, kind of in the back half of that second round. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, um, right now I've been kind of going back and forth, back and forth where I want Keenan Allen. Right now I've got him behind um, Adam Thielen and Mike Evans. I. They, it's, it just kind of comes down to strategy there. Keenan Allen is going to be safe, safe as heck. So if you got a guy like DJ or Le'Veon, you know, Keenan Allen's a guy to grab coming back because you know Keenan Allen's going to get you what you want. 
You know, if you got a, if you went risk with your first pick and, or, you know, if you went safe with your first pick, maybe that's where you want to grab a guy like Mike Evans to give you that upside to have another a great guy. But, you know, Keenan Allen's safe. He's safe. He, you're going to get, you know what you're going to get as long as he doesn't get injured, which you can say about anybody. But um, he's just going to be a target monster. Maybe he has a little bit of a capped upside in terms of touchdowns. You know, he's ne- he's never had – he had eight in his rookie year, and he's never had more than six since. He's been 4-4-0-6-6. Yeah. Four, four, six, six. Yep. So he's just not a touchdown guy. And with Hunter Henry and Mike Evans – or Mike Williams coming out there, like I don't see that changing very much. So yeah, I don't see I, him scoring many touchdowns, but he's going to be a PPR monster. Yep. Uh, I mean, one note, 2015 he played in eight games and had four touchdowns. So he was on pace for eight. Uh, but yeah, I get your point. Um, you know, besides throw out 2015 and 2016, where he played a total of nine games last two seasons, 16 games in each 102 catches, 97 catches. Um, again, I think you're going to probably get somewhere in that similar range, six, seven touchdowns, a hundred catches, yep. 1250 yards, something like that. Um, feel pretty good about taking Keenan Allen as a top 10, top eight receiver in PPR. I think he's going to fall somewhere right in that eight to 10 range and you're going to feel pretty good about it. Yep. All right, let's talk number nine. Um, and we have, read it off to me, Pat. We have Mike Evans and Adam Thielen tied for nine. So Mike Evans and Adam Thielen tied at nine. Um, Look, Adam Thielen, we talked about it before we recorded the podcast of what he did in his first eight games. Absolutely crazy. Um, You know, Mike Evans has been a guy who's been back and forth in his career in terms of the touchdown totals. Does Jameis Winston finally play a full 16 16 games? What does that offense look like now with a different kind of regime there? I, this is tight, but I feel like, you know, Evans still gives you more of that upside. He does. Uh, he really Thielen. does. He really does. Uh, he he easily could catch, you know, 12 touchdowns and be the guy who's, you know, top 5. Like he's going to he does that. He will do that. And I bet he'll do that again in his career at some point. And Adam Thielen's not catching Adam 12 Thielen's touchdowns. Adam Thielen's not doing that. But Adam Thielen's more of the Keenan Allen mold where he's going to just going to um just catch a lot of passes, right. be solid. He's going to be in every, he's played every single game of his career. He's just He's there. He's doing it. He does his thing. Now, does he take a little bit of a step back from last year? I think so. But Mike Evans is, could he take a huge step back? Like, so when push comes to shove, who are you taking when you're, when, when you're on the clock? I think it's a, that, that come back to that upside versus versus safety. If it, In a vacuum? If you took Zeke in the first round. I'm taking Mike Evans, I think. Going for the upside. I'm going for the upside. Okay. If it was David Johnson, maybe I'd go with Thielen to be a little more safe. Okay. Okay. But I think that's going to be something I'm really going to have to hash out as my as the season comes up. Do I want to play that that risk card of with Mike Evans and hope that the that Jameis comes up, plays it to his you know highest potential and. And and Bruce Arians. I mean, Bruce Arians is a check down the field kind of guy, and Mike Evans is does that well. Yeah, he'll go up and get it. Now it just matters if Mike Evans wants to be, you know, you know Godzilla, or if he wants to be (laughs) Jigglypuff. Yeah, I know. It's it's like I just want to roll my eyes when I think about that offense and like Jameis and Evans. Like, 
they just make me mad for some reason. And they like, will they throw just, him the ball in the end zone. Like, I know. They'll, they'll do three straight, throw it up to Mike Evans, and Mike I, Evans will decide that he wants to be soft, soft. I know. And drop everything. Or he'll just be like, all right, I'm being a man now. And just go up and just manhandle somebody. Yeah. Okay, well, let's talk about another guy that we have right there, T.Y. Hilton. I think we have yep, him we at— T.Y. Hilton next at 11. At Yeah, so we have the tie with Evans and Thielen. I have Thielen a little bit lower. I'm at 12. Um and then yeah, I got him up at T- eight. Ty at uh, I have Ty at nine. Um, I just trust that offense and Andrew Luck more. And I, yeah. I, you know, I, again, this is a situation where I could understand where you don't want to put Ty in your top ten because of that he, he's going to get hurt probably, mm-hmm. uh, which sucks to say, but it's kind of the truth at this point, um, at least from what we've seen history wise. I just love the upside more, and I think that when Ty Hilton's in the lineup, that that you're going to get more of a sure thing, um, you know, from him, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> but this is where, again, we, we start to get some of the question marks. Um, you know, I think both Vikings receivers, Diggs and Thielen, Thielen, who we just talked about, is going to be more, uh, you know, you're going to get some you're pretty pretty consistent uh, for the most part. Um, Evans has had his kind of his waves in his career. T.Y.'s been a- not been able to stay on the field at times. Um, but I think all three of these guys, Pat, if you could see one guy, um, Thielen, Hilton, Evans, uh, you know, creep up into maybe steal the top six wide receiver ranking at the end of the year, which one of those guys would you give it to? It's Evans. Yeah. It's Evans. Um, but we've seen T.Y. do it. He's been a top five guy. Yeah. I just, I just think that, uh, that there's a lot of weapons in that offense for the Colts and luck really likes to spread the ball around. I think T- I think Ty's touchdown upside's a little capped, even though he can make those big plays. Um, you have when you have guys like Jack Doyle, you have Funchess, you have um, you have Ebron able to go up and get balls like that. I don't think he's just I don't think he's going to get many of those targets in the in the in those uh, touchdown areas. Um, you got a guy like Paris Campbell coming in there to to also make big plays. I just think this is going to be an offense that really spreads the ball around, and that's what's going to limit Ty's upside. Yeah. Like, I've got him in it with a 19% target share right now. And if I bump him up to two, he goes from basically my, like, 13th receiver. If I give him an extra percent and move him to 20, he goes up to, like, my 8th receiver. So, it just, it just how much can he get of a workload in this offense? Yeah. I, I hear you. And I, I agree. I think Evans does have that upside that, that some of these guys might not be able to touch. Uh, Hilton could get there, but the I, targets, you know, 120, 109 over the last couple of years— I think he was on pace for uh, somewhere north of 130, 135 last year, um, just based on, you know, a 16-game pace. He only played in 14 games. So, you know, again, I, I think that, that both those guys are close for me. Um, I'm more of a T.Y. guy personally, so I would rather have T.Y. over Evans, uh, but they're, they're very, very close. Um, okay, who do we have? Let's look at then number... I guess we're down at the end at number 12. We, yeah, we got A.J. Green and Stephon Diggs actually uh, tied here. So I'm going to give you – let's talk about A.J. Green. We'll talk about Stephon Diggs next time. So I, I think that, that for me I would definitely take uh, you know A.J. Green in this situation. Mm-hmm. Just Again, this is a Mike Evans kind of the yeah. same thing is, is the upside. Yeah. Um, look, I don't think A.J. Green's going to get back what he did a few years ago when he was catching 94, 97 passes. Yeah. But – 
but 75 is certainly in in his range and and at 75 catches for what he does now we talked about him not being a guy who's going to catch 70 percent of his balls or even 65 percent he's probably going to be more in that he's going to yeah he's going to be more in that 60 range maybe even a tick under but he's probably going to have you know the yards are going to be there um the touchdowns are going to be there and that touchdown upside while we talk about touchdowns being fluky a lot I do think that with AJ Green he's a guy who Andy Dalton's going to look for especially in the red zone um he's going to catch a couple long touchdowns and you know 10 touchdowns is certainly certainly in the range for AJ Green I think the expectation should be 9 or 10 touchdowns for AJ Green and that's why I would give him a slight bump over Stefan Diggs um even though the possibility of Diggs catching 20 to 22 more balls is right is fair very very fair and probably going to happen I would still give AJ Green that edge based on the upside with the touchdowns um what do you say Pat are you taking Green over Diggs you know push come to shove when when we talk about that or or where you stand with those two guys I really just want to love Diggs. I know you do. I do too. I mean, uh, I, I do love him. I want to. I I just talked about this earlier. Where I wanted uh, this this group, Thielen, Diggs, AJ Green, is really giving me a lot of trouble, and I'm going back and forth between who I want or in this area. Um, Diggs, I mean, he's been injured a good amount, and he's has these nagging injuries that kind of follow him around. But if you put give him. Just as many games as Adam Thielen last year, he had more receptions. He's got more targets, more receptions. Yeah. Maybe not more receptions, but more targets. Um, they, and they ended up about 153 and 149, I think. Um, I think you can I think you can almost call it a preference call. Yeah. Between Thielen and Diggs. And we've even. been wrong the past couple of years putting Diggs. I've, I've put Diggs at least over Thielen the past couple of years. And I finally think I'm just like, you know what? Thielen's safer. I mean, Diggs, I could easily see Diggs beating Thielen at the end of the year, and I almost yeah. want to predict it. Yeah. I'm just, right now, I'm not there yet. Yeah. Well, and I think when it comes down to it, if you are looking at those two players, Diggs and Thielen, um, you know, when it comes to playoff time, you want players who are healthy. Yeah. And Thielen's shown and that he will. Thielen's be. shown that he has. So that, that could be the edge, uh, you know, for you. And I, I'm giving Thielen a slight, you know, edge over Diggs right now. I know we're jumping back and forth here between the, our guys 9 through 12, but I think they're all very, very close, and they're all very interesting uh, in terms of what up, you know upside they bring, their availability to their teams, um, you know, consistency. Um, you got two guys that are in the same offense. Uh, you know, we have Diggs just outside that top 12, as we mentioned, but but a lot of interesting takes in that, in that range. Um, Pat, are all these guys, this is kind of that two end of, round two, early round three range, correct? I don't think we're going to see all 12 receivers go in the first two rounds. Uh, what do you think? I mean, I think we're going to see a couple, couple of those guys go early three. Yeah, right now, you know, yeah, it's going to be early three. You're going to see guys like T. I mean, A.J. Green's going at the end of the third, mid and third round. Yeah, um, that's crazy to me. T.Y. Hilton's going, um, start of the third round, you know. Well, in my, dra- in my draft, third round. in my draft the other day, I picked one point. I picked eleventh. Yeah, you got AJ Green. I I took Devonte Adams, then Michael Thomas, and then AJ Green. Yeah, that's wild. And those are my three receivers. Yeah, yeah, I'd be loving that. I am loving it now. My running backs. I don't even want to talk about it. 
Uh, but, but, um, but I'm counting on those guys carrying me. Yeah. So this is what it is. All right. Well, that's all the time we have. We're a little over an hour on the podcast. So thanks for listening, everybody. To pad the stats, our consensus 1 through 12 receiver rankings. Again, we will have 13 through 24. So look out for that. Follow us. Um, subscribe to the podcast. Download it on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Um, you name it, you can find us. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.